1: Welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about changes to how we communicate with our customers. Joining us is Michael Solomon, who is the professor of marketing at St. Joseph's University, which is a business school whose marketing department ranks as one of the top 20 in the United States. Michael is also a marketing consultant, a speaker, and the author of the book New Chameleon, which discusses modern changes to consumer behavior. Yesterday, Michael and I talked about understanding tomorrow's customer experience, and today we're going to continue our chat talking about using persuasive sales bots. All right, here's the second part of my conversation with Michael Solomon, the professor of marketing at St. Joseph's University. Michael, welcome back to the Martech podcast.
2: Hey, thanks. Had a lot of fun. I'm ready for the next one.
1: Excited to continue our conversation. Yesterday, we talked about really the three ways that you can keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with your customer. You could look at external data, social data, search data, signals from outside of what's happening in your company. Obviously, you could look at your own internal metrics, your CRM data to understand how customers' behavior is changing. And then you get the qualitative data where you're actually putting yourself in the customer's shoes, or you're going out and talking to customers to understanding the rationale behind some of their changes in behavior. One of the things that we didn't talk about is some of the ways to communicate at scale with customers. I think when we think about collecting customer feedback, often people just default to, I'm going to go to SurveyMonkey, I'm going to put a survey in front of as many people as I can, and just hope the results are great. And we don't often think about reaching out to customers directly because that takes a lot of time, it takes a lot of effort, and there's ways that we can use chat bots and sales bots not only for sales but also for collecting customer feedback. Talk to me about some of the ways people are using bot technology not only for sales but also to collect customer feedback.
2: You're hitting on a huge issue. I'm sure just about all of your listeners know the term garbage in garbage out so when you're throwing all this data at computers and so on, remember that the computer is not going to tell you that the kind of data you collected really doesn't make a lot of sense or you didn't talk to the right people. So obviously sampling is hugely important. Who are you going to to ask these questions? It could be your mom. She's going to give you one answer, or it could be a customer who's going to give you another, but make sure you're speaking to the right people. The issue that we're talking about here maybe has more to do with the interaction between the customer and the marketer. So really, when we talk about the use of chatbots and other technologies like that, some of the the important questions get to the heart of what a sales encounter is to begin with, typically involving two humans, one of whom has something to sell. (laughs) We know a tremendous amount, 50 or 60 years of research in the social sciences on persuasion, about persuasion, and how different elements of the sales message, such as the source of the message, exert a huge impact on the likelihood that people will actually listen to it or change their minds. And so I think a fascinating issue here is when you talk about these technologies, in terms of of strict functionality, there's an amazing stuff, of course, that the MarTech industry can do now in terms of responding to specific prompts and so on. One of the things that concerns me, though, as a social scientist is the nature of the interaction that the customer is having Either over the phone or in some cases on a website, and it seems like some of the interfaces that companies are using to get this kind of information probably need to be rethought. You know, it's kind of ironic where a marketer will spend a, especially a bigger company will spend a huge amount of money deciding to hire, let's say, a spokesperson for a, an advertising campaign because they understand that it's not just what is said but who says it that is so crucial. And yet when they move into the tech world and they move into non-human communicators, they seem to have ignored in most of everything we know about the research. So we have, you know, as consumers increasingly are going to be interacting with non-human salespeople, we have to give a lot more thought to that, I believe. People have a lot of ambivalence today about interacting with robots or interacting with machinery of some kind. And On the one hand, we're kind of afraid of it. We've always had movies like The Day the Earth Stood Still and so on about robots that take over the world.
1: I generally insert some sort of a Skynet Terminator 2 joke in all of these conversations that get to NLP, natural language processing. But yes, I understand what you're talking about.
2: There you go. So we've got that, and we've also got apprehension about people losing their jobs to robots, even in the marketing business, losing your job to a robot. But on the other hand, We love these robots. We love Siri and Alexa, our new guardian angels. And the country of Saudi Arabia recently took a robot that was manufactured in Japan and made it a citizen of Saudi Arabia. So we're starting to see this steady integration or maybe a collapsing of the boundaries between humans and machines. That's something I write about in my book that you mentioned, The New Chameleons, how these traditional boundaries are collapsing so this boundary between human and machine is really collapsing. On the one hand, we as humans have much more machinery in us than we used to. A lot of your listeners might have a pacemaker or uh, artificial hip or maybe they have a contact lens that monitors their blood sugar if they're diabetics or
1: How about they're listening through earbuds
2: Yeah there you go all of these things we're integrating but when we go the other direction we see that we see that traditional the traditional salesperson function is also now giving way to robots and so on
1: So what I'm hearing from you is that we're sort of seeing the boundary between communication between robots and between people is essentially collapsing. We feel more comfortable communicating with technology, interacting with technology. And I don't think that this is just something that's internet related. You know, this is going back to the invention of sticks to make fire and the telephone. Like we've constantly got more comfortable with the use of technology. Generally, I think that the use of technology creates more jobs as opposed to decreases them. People used to think that jobs were going away because the telephone was created, and they just created different jobs. That said, when you talk about the sales aspect of technology, are people that are in sales roles just going to be removed from their job? Where is the chatbot and the sort of idea of persuasion fitting into the sales cycle?
2: I guess, you know, to go along with your somewhat utopian view of technology, I mean, I largely share your perspective. There's definitely, you know, people always get hurt in these disruptions.
1: The change is painful. Exactly. The outcome isn't necessarily always worse.
2: Right. So I I think perhaps we can take a lesson from other verticals that have already been invaded by this technology and Ideally, your vision will be accurate. What that means is that the kind of lower order salespeople who are doing very routinized tasks, giving out generic product information and so on, they probably will be replaced. But what that means is, to your point about creating new jobs, we're going to need more people who are on a more consultative basis, you know, higher end salespeople more like sophisticated B2B sales teams that have product specialists and engineers on the sales team so that we can, we can automate the lower end and make life a lot more pleasant for everybody who just needs to get some quick information, but hopefully reserve a place for human intuition at the other end where perhaps creative problem solving is going to be more important and artificial intelligence eventually may get to that point where they can make those judgments as well. But For the time being, I'd be a little more comfortable at least having a human there holding its hand when it's giving me this important advice.
1: A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. So let's talk about some of the dynamics of making technology work in your sales cycle. The SDR, the outreach, are people calling into companies and getting robots that are doing that initial scan of how big is your budget? Who are you? Are you really a potential buyer before I connect you to the AE Are they actually doing selling, providing product information? Are they dropping you off at a cart? Are they purchasing the transaction? How far through the funnel are chatbots and technology helping people get through the process?
2: Well, certainly at that initial intake level and prospecting, qualifying people, that's already happening to a large degree. One interesting question is whether consumers know that they're not necessarily talking to humans and does that affect their expectations? One place where it will probably be a positive is that, and you were talking about knowing their history. I saw a survey that was done a couple of years ago, I think by Microsoft, of younger people, millennials, something like 80% of them, when they call a company, they expect that that company knows who they are and why they're calling. So it's to some extent a generational thing. Obviously, younger people being digital natives are expecting instant gratification because we've trained them to do that. Older people, maybe not so much. But clearly, the bar is being raised every day in terms of how the company is expected to really absorb and respond to a customer's individual situation. And to the extent that the chatbot is able to do that, you know, I think the secret sauce here, it all boils down to another big trend we're seeing, which is a huge desire for personalization. So if that robot is able to deliver a personalized message to someone and we put that robot up against a bad human salesperson who's obviously reading from a script, I think that the comparison gets more interesting. Now, a really great human salesperson is able probably to adapt much more quickly to what the person is saying. I think I'd rather have the chatbot than a really bad human.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think the industry is also a different factor here when you're buying I don't know, a pack of gum, Then you have questions about the calorie count, and you get the answer from a robot, that's fine. I don't think anybody's going to have a problem with that. If you're buying hundreds of thousands of dollars of B2B software or professional services, you probably want to know who you're working with. So help me understand You know where natural language processing and sales bots are being applied on sort of the industry level or the product level. Where are we seeing this being the most adopted?
2: Well, I'm most familiar with some of the work that's being done, for example, in the apparel industry on personalization. And it's a really fascinating question. I'm sure your listeners have strong opinions about this. Can a chatbot or other kind of automation advise us on subjective or stylistic decisions as opposed to running an algorithm, executing an algorithm that gives us the best return on a stock or something like that? And we're starting to see, even in those realms, I'm not sure how valid it is or how effective it will be, but we're starting to see personalization platforms. I think there's at least 10 startups out there that I'm aware of that are trying to input people's stylistic preferences and actually recommend outfits for them, recommend clothing and accessories and things like that. So to me, that's the ultimate test of whether automation is going to succeed. If people are going to trust these important but very subjective recommendations to a non-human. But again, I think we'll probably reach the point fairly soon where a non-human with enough data about your personal idiosyncrasies is probably more accurate than just a really poorly trained minimum wage paid human. (laughs)
1: Yeah, it's one of those you walk into a store and the person has no sense of style and they start picking out clothes for you. You're not going to have a great experience. If you go onto a website, let's say, that has as much data as Amazon and understands your personal preferences, they're probably going to be able to match you with something that's relatively interesting to you. You know, as you see the adoption of chatbots, natural language processing being integrated into the sales cycle more Where do you think the dividing line is for where the average person is going to want to talk to a person as opposed to want to interact with some sort of a piece of technology?
2: Well, again, I think a lot of it has to do with the appearance of the interface, whether it's on a computer screen or whether it's a robot who's working in a hardware store. What you were just saying, you know, how would you trust someone, let's say, to pick out clothes for you when they're a terrible dresser or pick stocks for you when they're broke? You know, establishing that social proof, establishing that credibility is key. And so I'm actually starting to do a little research on this with some colleagues in Europe looking at how the appearance of that bot will affect the likelihood of accepting fashion recommendations. Um, I'm not sure what the results will be yet, but it seems intuitive that we're going to trust these non-human interfaces more if they can establish that they are somehow expert in that field that they're giving you advice on. So if it's fashion, for example, maybe it's even a robot who's sporting a brand new outfit that's in style. I don't know. But you're certainly not going to take that advice from a box that's sitting there.
1: I think the important thing to take away from this conversation is it's not just what you say to your customers, it's who's saying it. And often customers' expectations of who is changing, not necessarily just from who the person, but who the technology as well. And that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Michael Solomon, professor of marketing at St. Joseph's University. If you'd like to get in touch with Michael, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter where his handle is MikeSolo, that's M-I-K-E-S-O-L-O, or you can visit his website, which is michaelsolomon.com. And on that website, you can find a great course about customer engagement. All right, just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you're listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes, contact information for our guests. You can sign up for our weekly newsletter and you can even send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is martechpod on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, or you can contact me directly. My handle is benjshap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet,